Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And Merry Christmas. You know, uh, as a kid, when I was a Boy Scout, one of the things that our Scout leaders told us probably every time we went out camping was, don't play with fire. Now, they meant it in a very literal way. They didn't want us pulling sticks out of the fire and wave them around uh, like flaming swords. They were afraid. They didn't want us to burn ourselves or someone else or, God forbid, light something on fire that wasn't supposed to be on fire. As I thought of that, I thought, you know, how appropriate is, is we gather together as Christians tonight and really every night, we are playing with fire. Now, unfortunately for all of you, it's our five and seven o'clock service that literally get to play with fire as we hand these candles out and we sing Silent Night at the end of our service. But whether you're holding a flame or not, we gather together for worship. Every time we are playing with fire. I say that because every time we come for worship, we are gathering in the presence of our holy God, recognizing at the beginning of every service that while God is holy, we are not. And that should be cause for at least a little tremble of fear every time we gather for worship. And if you don't believe me, take the shepherds, for example. The glory of the Lord shone around them on that first Christmas Eve night. They trembled in fear at that light. So there's three things, actually, that fire does, which can help us get a handle on what it means that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Fire burns. Fire, in the light that it casts, reveals things hidden in darkness. And finally, fire draws us in. Now, when it comes to fire, one of the biggest fears that many of us have is fire's ability to burn, hurt ourselves, to destroy property. One of the things that our scout masters drilled into us, our scout leaders, is that fire is a good thing, but it is also a dangerous thing if it's misused. It has to be treated with proper respect that it deserves. The same is true of God. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he recounted this dialogue towards the middle of the book between Mr. Beaver and one of the Pevensey children named Susan. They were about ready to meet Aslan, the king of Narnia. And Mr. Beaver let slip that Aslan was a lion. Susan was taken aback. She had figured all along that Aslan must be a man. And so she asked the all-important question, is he safe? I feel kind of nervous meeting a lion. To which Mr. Beaver replied, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. It might seem kind of odd to put this question this way about Jesus. Is he safe? The proper answer would be, Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. 
We gather together as Christians in the presence of God, and especially on this night when we celebrate the incarnation, God coming down among us. We gather together in the presence of the Lord of all creation. That should cause us maybe to tremble just a little bit. But when you stop and think about it, it's not fire's ability to burn that is the most terrifying. Probably one of the more frightening things is the ability of fire in the light that it casts to reveal things that were hidden in darkness before. Now, in some cases, that's a good thing. You think back to when you were a small child. Maybe you were afraid of the dark and your parents would put you to bed, they'd turn off your light and they'd close the door. And then, you know, maybe you'd wake up in the middle of the night in the darkness after a bad dream, or you'd lay there and try to close your eyes, and then you'd open them back up and you'd see the shadows moving on the wall, and your mind would begin going all of those places that a small child's mind goes, wondering about all of the things that could be hiding there in the darkness. You're scared, and so you call out for mom and dad, and they, they come and they open the door, and either they flip on the light or, or the light streams in from the hallway. And as the light drives out the darkness... Your racing heart begins to slow. Your ragged breathing becomes calmer because the light has done what it always does. Drives out the darkness and reveals what was hidden. But then something curious happens as we get older. We begin to shy away from the light a little bit. There are things we begin to hide in the deepest, darkest recesses of our soul from others and maybe even from ourselves. Things that we're afraid of that they might come to light and that if they, would to, if they were to come to light, then maybe the people that we love would think differently of us. Maybe they'd leave us and wouldn't love us any longer. This I think is a bit of what happens with the shepherds that night on the hills outside of Bethlehem. You know, they're perfectly happy and content watching their sheep as the night goes by. But it's when God flips on the light, the angel appears and the glory of the Lord shines on them. It's there in that moment that they're terrified because this is no ordinary light. Right, go figure. It goes out on me. Ruins the effect if it's not on. Uh, you know, that, that light for the shepherds, it was no ordinary light that night. It wasn't like they lost track of time and dawn had broken. It was the glory of God shining on them. And in that light, who they were, who they really were, was laid bare. All those things they'd hidden from their friends, from themselves, they were terrified standing in the glory of God. But there were two people, and only two people, who have stood in the glory of God and not been terrified. Any guesses on who they are? Adam and Eve, at the very beginning of creation. They walked with God in the garden every day. The glory of the Lord shone on them, and they were filled with joy. And 
that was how it was, was supposed to be. That we would live in the presence of God and know only joy and peace. But then another day came. And God was walking in the garden and the glory of the Lord shone on them and they were filled with fear. So what happened from one day to the next? A consultant came and said to them, Eve, Adam, you know, you should really be your own bosses. You should be the ones to decide for yourselves what is right and wrong. No one else should decide that for you. You should be the arbiter of what is moral and immoral, and no one else. And they took that advice. And ever since, all of us have taken that advice as well. And we've played the gods of our own lives, and it's always had disastrous consequences. You know, it's as if you were to decide on a career change. You decided that you wanted to be an air traffic controller, but didn't have the time or the money to spend going back to school and all those years that it would take to actually get a degree. You decide to forge the documents that you need, and you're articulate enough that you could bluff your way through an interview, and by some stroke of luck, you actually manage to get hired. And you climb that tower, and you sit down for your first day of work, and what is going to happen? Unless someone stops you, chaos, death, and destruction, that's what is going to happen. Because you don't have the qualifications, the training, the knowledge to do that job in the way that it was intended. And the same is true for us when we push God out of the role that he was meant to have as ruler and king of our lives. So tonight is your opportunity to resign to hand the job back over to Jesus, this child who was born into this world for this purpose. And so the good news that was proclaimed to the shepherds on that first night is the good news for you. Today in the city of David is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So fire it can burn, it can reveal things that were hidden in darkness, but the other really critical thing that fire does is it draws us in. Think of the last time you stared at an open flame. Maybe a bonfire, uh, maybe a fire in your fireplace over the last couple days when it was below freezing outside. A fire draws us in, and in the same way, God draws us into himself as well. He drew those shepherds to him on that night. And when the glory of the Lord shone around those shepherds, they were filled with fear. But notice the very first thing that that angelic messenger proclaims. Fear not, he says. They had every reason to fear because they were unholy standing in the presence of the glory of God. But God didn't come in terror or judgment that night. He came with an incredibly important message to deliver, a message that has echoed down through the centuries. But what's striking about this message to me, as I, I heard it again just moments before, is how personal God makes it. So look back at the gospel reading again for a moment. It starts at verse 10, this message of the angel to the shepherds. 
Notice how many times he says you to this group of men. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. God came to these men, and it wasn't an accident. In coming to them this way and in proclaiming this message to them in this way, he was revealing something about himself. That our God is a personal God. He's not a God who simply created and then walked away and left the world to its own devices. Neither is he a God who created through chance or happenstance. He is a God who has been intimately at work in his creation from the beginning till today. He has been at work. He's a God who knew these shepherds by name. He's a God who knows you by name, who has numbered every hair on your head, who knows all of those things, those things that you maybe keep hidden deep down inside. They're known to him. But God didn't come to burn you to a crisp or to reveal something to your shame. Instead, he dimmed his glory a bit and was born in the flesh. Son of God and Son of Man, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And so it's true what the Apostle Paul writes. We see the glory of God in the face of Jesus, his Son. We should be pinching ourselves tonight. And every time we come together as Christians to worship and celebrate together, because we are entering into the presence and the glory of God as surely as those shepherds were on those hills outside of Bethlehem on that first Christmas Eve. God didn't come in terror or judgment that day, and he doesn't come in terror or judgment today. Instead, he comes in love and mercy and grace. That is why we gather together, we play with fire every time because nothing can outshine the love of God for you and Jesus. His name, and.